Kripal gave only this message, and even the wind also teaches us this. If you keep walking while doing the Simran, the destination comes to you by itself. The next comparative religions class will be here in Sebastopol, 2 p.m. Saturday, January 12th. And God willing, I will be here the following day to give satsang. Today I, I want to concentrate on um, the work that the Master has given us to do. I, I think that it's of the utmost importance that we understand, first of all, that there is a tremendous paradox inherent in the universe as we know it. The paradox is really apparent. I don't say it's real, but it's there because we are incapable of seeing the whole as a whole, W-H-O-L-E. There's a famous story of a Hasidic rabbi, story I have often told, who told his disciples that each person should have two pockets. And in one pocket he puts a slip of paper on which is written for my sake, the universe was created. And on the second pocket, he put a piece of paper which is written, I am dust and ashes. And you should pull them out as you need them, uh, as they're appropriate, because both are true. 
Now, if you think about it, this is an absolute paradox. How can both be true? From our point of view, it can't be. But it is. Because the level, the point of view from which the masters speak is um, above the dualistic, narrow, chained up vision that we are subject to as long as we haven't risen above it. So I want to, the, the point of the masters, the point of all religions, of all spiritual traditions, of all esoteric and occult ideas, of all mysticism, all of those things, the point of them all is the expansion, the elevation, and the development of consciousness. This is what the masters come for. The more we go within, the more conscious we are of the universe as a whole. The more we are conscious of the universe as a whole, the more the things which nag us and hinder us and pester us and grab onto us and won't let go, the more they disappear. We can't get rid of them one by one by pulling them off and stepping on them, although we try to do that. We can only get rid of them by rising above them to a point where they are seen in their true perspective. And just as we are both that for which the universe was created and nothing, both are true simultaneously. And this is how the masters see it. This is why their humility is real. You know, they know that the universe was created for their sake. They know how much power they have. They know who they are. They know what they're doing. They also know that they are dust and ashes because they see both at once. And that's what we are to aim for. And this is the work that the masters have laid out for us. And this work is not dependent on, you know, um, being connected with someone in the body at this time or not. I mean, it can be, but it also doesn't have to be because this work is something which our master has given us and although his help is absolutely important and without it we couldn't do it without the perspective that he allows us to share in from time to time we couldn't do it at the same time it is our work and we must do it and it's not easy to reverse the flow of consciousness from reacting to outside impressions and passively allowing our circumstances to carry us along, from reversing that to the power of the soul within, uh, influencing and affecting what's happening outside, that's hard. It's the hardest thing in the world. It's also the only thing in the world that matters one bit. And that is what the Masters come to show us how to do. And as Master Kripal used to say, this is your own personal work. Nobody else can do it. The Master can't do it. What the Master gives us is absolutely irreplaceable and absolutely necessary. Although he can give it to different people in different ways. He can put people under his protection if he wants to, whether they know it or not. We know how he protects people who are um, beloved of satsangis, who are known to satsangis, who are cared about by satsangis because his love goes right through the satsangi in question to the other person. 
He has all kinds of ways to bring people into his orbit. And we are not in a position to know how he does what he does or, um, you know, what, how it works. We're just not. But at the same time, despite the fact that he is absolutely indispensable and his power is what enables us to do the work, we still have to do the work. And this is still ours to do. It's like the Master gives us over the years of our association with him, he gives us darshan, he gives us meeting with him, he answers our questions, he answers our letters, he allows us to partake of his angle of vision up to whatever point we can handle. Um, he allows us to understand his beauty and to bask in it. All of that is something that he gives us, and it's not given just for the moment. It's not like after we've had darshan, say after the 96 tour when Sanchi came and transformed millions, well, not, no, not millions, excuse me, thousands of lives. Um, there were several thousand people, uh, 3,000 actually maximum, at the ashram that summer. Um, he transforms thousands of lives, uh, but that transformation doesn't go away when he leaves. You know, what he has given us is ours. We have it. We can draw on it. It is not something that is alien to us. It is a part of us. It is there in our within, you know, in the inmost part of our soul. Everything that he has given us over the year, every darshan, every glimpse, every loving gesture, every smile, every rebuke, every time that he may have made us feel like a jerk, which... I can say it does happen. I mean, I have also felt like that with both Kripal and Sanchi many times. Every time he has made us conscious that we have failed, all of that, all of which is exactly what we needed at the given moment because the Master knows what he's doing. And when he gives us that, uh, it's there for us to benefit from. Not necessarily at the moment he gives it to us, but it's there, it's in our soul, we have access to it, we can grab onto it, we can make use of it. We have that power. That is what it means to be connected with Nam, is that we have precisely that power. And that doesn't go away. Our work still remains to be done. But what the Master has given us still is the way in which our work gets done. And we have that. Every one of us got from the Master exactly what we needed from him. If somebody was with the Master, or more than one Master, for many, many years, had thousands, tons of trips to India, not thousands, I don't think anyone has that. I tend to be very mathematically exaggerated today. Uh, but many trips to India, uh, accompanying on many tours, um, that person got what that person needed. Somebody who is initiated at the very end, maybe not even into the full initiation, maybe only into the sound current, uh, and maybe saw the Master once, maybe never saw him. But I will tell you that that person also got what he or she needed, because the Master knows what he's doing. And he doesn't give people less than they need in order to do the job. If he didn't, he wouldn't bring them into his protection in the first place. Uh, I, you know, it's easy to doubt a lot of this. It's easy, especially in regard to ourselves. Does the master really know what he's doing? You know, it's like um, 
how do I fit into all that? But I will tell you there is not, I've often told this story that it, when, and many of you I'm sure have heard it, not thousands of times, but a few times, um, that when Sanchi was at Shamaz in 1977, um, I used to walk with him in the evening after the program was over. He would walk down the, as many of you I'm sure remember, he would walk down the long pathway and everyone would be there to greet him. And he would give darshan all the way down and we would reach the end of the property and then he would turn back and most people would still be there. And there were a couple of very, one night we got into a car and visited some homes on the mountain and stuff like that. But generally that was his routine. And on um, the last night of the program, we, were, we came down the aisle, down that path, and a woman whom I hadn't seen before stepped out and addressed him and said, um, Master, can I attend the meditation tomorrow morning? And she said, I'm not an initiate, but I'm very interested. And Sanji asked her some questions, what practice would she do if she came? Uh, would she be able to sit for an hour like that? And uh, she answered them satisfactorily, and he said, yes, you can come. And as we went off, he said to me, um, she will never get initiated in this lifetime. I said, but, but Master, she seems so eager and, and humble and willing and all like that. And he said, uh, it's not written on her forehead. She won't get it this lifetime. And just then, another person went by who had been around from the beginning, and she had been very negative, and this time she walked right in front of Sanchi without acknowledging him, without greeting him. And I said to him, uh, what about her? And he said, she will definitely get it. And I said, but, does, but, but, but she's so negative. He said, it doesn't matter. She will get it. You'll see. And uh, so we went off to South America and um, we returned in other places first, Texas, etc. And we returned to St. Bonnie in August 1977, and we got out of the car, and the master's walking down the darshan line that had formed on the path down to his house at St. Bonnie, and right at the head of the line was that girl, the very negative one. And so she saw her, and he said, see, Russell, what did I tell you? Here she is. And she got initiated, uh, the first initiation of that tour. So do not think that mistakes are made, that the Master does not know what he is doing. He absolutely knows what he is doing. He knows what each person needs. He gives us what we need. If we need a lot, boy, nobody needed more than me, okay? And you can say, I mean, you can look at it and say, well, that person is really lucky. His karmas are so good. He spent all that time with the Master and all like that. And I'll tell you, yeah, I am not denying it. You know, I feel extremely lucky and I treasure every moment I spent with both or either Kripal or Sanchi. But I will tell you that I needed every moment of that and if someone didn't get that, they didn't need it. They had it already or it was embedded in them from previous lives because Master gives us what we need. Similarly with positions of so-called authority, not that anyone really has any authority on the path except the Master. But the idea of group leaders, representatives, those people are given those jobs because they need it. Not because they're good at it, 
not because they're better than other disciples. No reason like that. And I, and there's tons of stories in the literature which point this out. The it does not follow that someone has to become a, a super advanced or even a little advanced on the way in order to become a representative or a group leader. It just doesn't happen that way. They might be, but any one of us might be. It's the point is what we need to bring us closer to him. The seva that we are given is the seva that we need. Okay, with all of that in mind, I would like to read a section um, from Master Kripal's talk, Five Dacoits Are Looting While Man Slumbers, which I had read before. And this is from the book, The Coming Spiritual Revolution, and it is one of three talks in that book that I was not personally present at when Master gave them. But this talk, in many ways, when I first read it, struck me... Um, with tremendous force. I, his master gave it to me personally to publish in Satsandesh uh, when I was in India in uh, September 1973. And it was published in the November 1973 issue. And he talked to me about it some when uh, he gave it to me. All right, I'm, this is a section only, it's a long talk, and I'm just going to read uh, several pages. The whole world is sleeping, rich, poor, intellectual, illiterate alike. Why? Because they have no awareness of themselves. Each one's soul is at the mercy of the mind, which is itself at the mercy of the senses, which in turn are dragged around by the sense enjoyments. We have become identified with the body and the world. We have forgotten ourselves. Those who pursue the intellect lose themselves even more than the others. For although the illiterate are lost in the senses, yet through intellect one can get more deeply involved in the senses and the intellect both. We do work through the intellect, and it can help us to understand the true state of affairs, which is that the soul is a conscious entity, and our greatest aim as human beings is to realize God. The soul must rejoin the Lord. God is in every form. He is the sustaining power in all life. Due to this, our soul stays with the body, but when he removes his sustenance, the body is finished and returns to its various elements. Furthermore, if he withdraws his power from creation, then dissolution or grand dissolution occurs in different degrees. There is nothing nearer to us than this power of God, which is the very soul of our soul. Our soul has become jiva, soul in creation, through connection with the mind, and so the sense enjoyments drag it around. It has forgotten itself in this depth of indulgence. Together the beloved and the soul. The soul sleeps, <coughs> but the beloved <coughs> is in full awareness. 
The influence of the senses and the outer attractions keeps the soul asleep to the truth, while the God-husband is constantly awake, waiting for the soul to open her eyes. In this pitiful situation, how can we awake? How can one sleeping person awaken another? Only in the satsang can one sit in the company of an awakened soul, and one awakened soul can surely awaken thousands who are sleeping. An awakened soul does not mean a lecturer or reader of books. Those who have knowledge at the sense level only, for he who has developed his intellect is also asleep. The world is sleeping at the level of the mind. Mind is most powerful at the physical level where it takes our attention further and further into physical expression. Mind has stages also, physical, astral, causal. It operates in all three. It is not something simple. Many great sages have left this world crying because of the mind. So first we must learn to control the physical mind by withdrawing it from outer senses. You will find in some Eastern books the story of Hobble and Kabul, and it is the story of the lower mind, Hobble, killing the higher mind. Mind is a very strange phenomenon and if it is controlled, it will show the happenings of the three worlds. Remove yourself from outer distractions and you will awaken unto your true self. Has it never occurred to you that you must leave this world one day? Even in the presence of death or accompanying the body to the cremation ground, do you never stop to think that you will also be in this position someday? We do agree that we have to go when reminded about it, but we then promptly forget the matter. It is a very sad condition we are in. Guru Arjan Sahib says, Arise, awake, O traveler, why this delay? Beloved soul, why are you sleeping? The sun of human birth has risen, and this is the time to wake up. If this opportunity slips from your fingers, it will never come so soon again. This invaluable birth will be wasted. Similarly, the Upanishads say, Awake, arise, and stop not until the goal is reached. It is like a sleeping sickness, and if you go to the root cause, you will understand what is happening and then you will know how imperative it is to gain release from all this illusion and forgetfulness. Listen now to a hymn of Guru Arjan Sahib in which he tells us more on this subject. You may ask, if we are sleeping, then how are we able to talk? Do we not talk in our sleep? You have not got the awareness, but you have the intellect, so try and understand. We are the soul the indweller of the body, and we often say, this is my body, I am the soul, etc. As I have taken off my coat and placed it here, can you remove your body? Can you rise above it and analyze yourself from mind and matter, separating yourself from the body? You would then see clearly who and what you are. Now listen to the hymn, which tells us how we went to sleep and how we can awaken. 
Inner eye sleeps while one covetously envies the possessions of others. Inner ear sleeps, yet one eagerly hears all slander and scandal. The Master's message is for embodied souls caught in the web of mind and senses, unable to release themselves. Masters make no distinction between religions and sects. Their message is for the whole human race. O soul, since you took birth into the world, you have developed the habit of seeing things, and so your outer eye is open. But the eye which is used to see within became more securely closed. Although awake from without, you are asleep within, and by greedily envying the goods of others, your inner eye has gone deeper and deeper into this slumber. Our outer awakeness is busy coveting the wealth, property, bodies of others, and this creates impressions which are taken in and absorbed into one's being through the eyes. Remember, 83% of all impressions we absorb enter into man through the eyes. Whatever you see is registered in you. This constant intake of impressions closes the inner vision more and more as the years go by. Furthermore, the impressions we absorb from outside are reproduced into our thoughts and dreams, and in this way a superficial life is built up. Up to now, you have never had the opportunity to dip inside yourself. The ears are perpetually listening to the scandalizing and slandering of other people's characters. Their virtues are underrated and their faults exaggerated. If something is worth repeating, it should also be 100% accurate. Otherwise, it amounts to slander. Test this fact for yourself. Just sit quietly and listen to any conversations going on around you, and you will find they consist of gossip, criticism, and scandal principally. Fourteen percent of all impressions comes through the ears. Eighty-three and fourteen amount to ninety-seven percent of all impressions through two senses alone, awake or asleep. All this attention going out, all these impressions coming in, and never a single glance inwardly toward one's real self, which is in deep, heavy slumber, unaware of all this. Inner taste sleeps through greedy outer enjoyments. Mind slumbers on in the wonders of illusion. This is our daily life. This thing is very sweet, that thing is very beautiful. Strong in man are these senses of sight, hearing, and taste. He is always busy seeing, hearing, eating, and drinking, tasting something attractive today and wanting more and more of it tomorrow. During my tour of 1955, I was invited to meet a Father Divine in the USA, and at the dinner there, more than 60 different dishes were served, both sweet and savory. Just think of 60 different things to be tasted. There's a limit to what the taste can distinguish. What is seen, heard, and eaten is all reproduced and recorded within one's being 
And this is how our superficial lives are made. Illusions started with this body. You can see how this physical form has encouraged this forgetfulness we exist in. We are embodied souls, but we have become only the body and we can see only at the sense level. Now is this not superficial? Mind is also asleep in this illusion. It has also become the form of the outer attractions, when awake and asleep both. What an accurate picture Guru Arjan Sahib is sketching. The masters are constantly trying to draw man's attention to the true state of affairs. One Muslim fakir points out that one should close the eyes and ears to shut out these impressions and also close the lips. This renders the tongue out of action and it is then also impossible to eat anything. Whatever the method, we must stop these three kinds of impressions coming inside from without, and then we should invert within. The fakir adds that if the truth does not then awaken in you, you are free to ridicule the method. It's a very definite statement and a fair offer. Only the awakened soul can help one to invert these rebellious senses and withdraw from the outer attractions. At present, one sees outwardly only, but then with his blessing of inner vision, you will see within and the path will be open for you. At present, one hears only outer sounds, but one will hear the inner music, the sound of the truth. At present, you enjoy outer actions, but by inversion, you will start to enjoy the delectable inner nectar of Nam. When that nectar comes, this taste is no longer enjoyed. And who makes all this possible? When the Satguru is met, inversion starts. If you die while living, you will solve the riddle. He who is awake in the house of the body can receive that inherent perfect gift. If you awaken while living in this physical house, the Lord's gift is yours. He is already within, but one must withdraw the attention from outside. What is there to realizing the Lord? Just uproot it from here and plant it there. It is a simple matter of where the attention is focused. Break away from family and acquaintances, then our Savior will come. If you receive the perfect gift, you also will become perfect as God is perfect. Just start withdrawing from outer attractions. But if the lecturers and scriptural authorities are sitting on the outer perimeter at the sense level, then who will help us awaken? Our near and dear are intoxicated with their own enjoyments, having no knowledge of their true home. Our friends, relations, etc. are embodied souls like us intoxicated by the outer enjoyments and having no awareness of themselves, dragged by sight, hearing, taste, and touch, suffering from one sickness or another. Remember that enslavement to a single sense alone can bring death, imprisonment, or slavery for life. Take the moth, for example, which burns itself to death because of the ruling sense of sight. 
through its strong sense of taste, the fish gets caught on the fisherman's hook. A certain insect has a very strong sense of smell and is attracted to the sense of flowers. It loses its life when it enters that flower which closes like a clam. The sense of hearing is overpowering in the deer and in serpents. The deer is attracted by the beating of drums and he is so fascinated that he is helpless to move and is captured. The snake, a fearsome creature, is enchanted by the sound of the bina, is captured and spends its life in a snake charmer's basket. The sense of touch is dominating in the elephant, and through trickery they attract the male to the female and thereby capture him, starve him for days to weaken his strength that he may be controlled, and from then on he is a slave to man. If for the prevalence of a single sense these creatures lose their freedom or their lives, then what hope for man who has five? It seems an impossible situation. With so many enjoyments in this body, how can Nam reside therein? Everywhere people are in the same condition. Brothers, sisters, husbands, children, parents, friends. There is a sleeping state and a drunken state. And whereas a sleeping person can be awakened, what about him who is in the drunken condition? You can shout at him, but he is without consciousness and will not respond. These are hard facts. It is a very accurate picture of mankind. Even the few who try to find the cure in the scriptures are helpless, but one cannot awaken the consciousness by reading a book. Five dacoits have entered these sleepy dwellings and have looted the vacant house. Everyone is sleeping, and the dacoits are looting wildly. Who are these five dacoits? They are anger, lust, greed, attachment, and ego. They are looting the people who are sleeping in a drugged state. Like this, man loses his most valuable possessions and tragically does not realize this is happening because he is so engrossed in the enjoyments that whatever knowledge of right he had is pushed aside. A little awareness of the predicament he is in comes only when he has lost everything he possessed. The house is unprotected, the thieves can get in, but the owner is in a deep sleep. You are the owner of your physical house, are you not? Know it or not, you are in a drunken state, and although you have been awakened innumerable times, yet you merely say, yes, yes, I am awake, but this is only from outside, and you promptly go to sleep again. You have never awakened from within. There is no answering reply from your true self. If the point does not go home, the whole thing is superficial. Father, mother, cannot protect you, nor can friends and relations. These people may suffer for or with you, but they cannot help you. For they too are asleep and are helplessly being looted like you. All are helpless sufferers at the hands of the five dacoits, and this includes the red and unread, the rich and the famous alike. Riches and knowledge will not give self-protection. It is not a condition that can be improved with money or with intellectual knowledge. 
Do not the intellectuals fall also? The thieves cannot be controlled by the intellect, nor can they be bribed. Swamiji Maharaj has also given a very lucid explanation on the subject, so we will take a little of his hymn now and then return afterwards to Guru Arjan Sahib. And then Master comments for several pages on a very comparable hymn of Swamiji Maharaj, which also uses the uh, fact of constant sleep on the part of humanity as his starting point. And oh, I'm not going to read that, at least not today. I want to read a little um, of Master Kripal's second of the receptivity circulars, uh, dated November 5th, 1969. And again, I won't read the whole thing um, now because I want to play a tape from Sanchi in a few minutes. Um, this uh, take it actually begins where the other talk sort of ends and uh, takes it a bit further, more in the line of what it actually we can do on an individual basis. But it, you know, all spiritual teachers who have come basically have made this point that until we recognize that we are asleep, we can't wake up. If we think we are awake, we will never wake up because we are absolutely convinced we are awake. And I mean, all of, I've certainly experienced, I'm, probably all of us have experienced how we can sleep and dream about waking up. And we are convinced that we are awake and then we find we're sometimes three or four times in a row I have experienced that. And that's a, a paradigm of what happens to us outwardly too. When the Master comes, you know, he delivers a shock to our waking, our sleeping system, which jolts us awake. It does, he does it in various ways, usually a combination of ways, through giving us darshan, through answering our questions in a way that totally revolutionizes our thought pattern, uh, and through taking us up within. But it is very easy for us, once we are awakened by him in that way, it is very easy for us to then drift back into a sleeping state and coast. You know, it's like we, we go along on cruise control and we think we're dealing with the road and we're really on top of everything and we're going faster and faster asleep. It's very easy to do that. And this is why uh, people uh, during the Master's lifetime, people would say you know, um, that they would go to India and they would suddenly realize that they had totally forgotten what the Master looked like. I mean, they thought they remembered. They had images of him, and they would, um, you know, use those images, including pictures and uh, videos and all that stuff. They would use those images in their mind, but when they got there and saw him, the impact of his physical self was so enormous and so different in kind, not just degree, but in kind, from what they remembered. And I had that experience many times. Uh, practically every time I saw Kripal, I had that. I, I, I have totally forgotten what this person is like. I didn't think I had. I thought I remembered, but in fact I didn't. So here, Master talks about the sadhachar, or the righteous life, 
without which, he says, one cannot sit in the quiet of his own self and with concentrated attention pierce through the inner darkness. To achieve true spiritual progress, one must lead the good life, I may even say a godlike life, before much inner progress can be made. At the same time, one must be fully dutiful to regular meditations, as both are essential. To lead a good life without devoting time to one's spiritual practices will not raise the attention to the seat of the soul. Similarly, devoting hours to meditation without eliminating bad habits and cultivating good ones in their place will not get one anywhere. Purity of life is essential for fruitful meditations. What is the good life? It is to have good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Sadachar is a life of continued rightness from beginning to end. It is for each initiate to occasionally pause and introspect as to how far he has succeeded in molding his life in accordance with the commandments of the Master. We talk of God, hear of God, and read of God, but we seldom practice God in our daily life. It is the practice of the presence of God that matters, and we can only have the awareness of this presence by leading a God-like life. There are no shortcuts on the way back to God. Truth is higher than everything, but higher still is true living. Truth and true living are not exclusive of each other, but go together. One supplements the other, and their combination forms the godlike life. One who practices true living will always earn his living by the sweat of his brow and feed himself and his family on rightly procured foods consisting of fruits, vegetables, nuts, cereals, and permitted dairy products. Furthermore, he will be honest and above board in his dealings with others. These three aspects of conduct are indispensable aids to true living. One can gauge his or her spiritual progress by the measure of conscious control that he or she has over his or her thought pattern. One who has in some measure achieved this control will not be swayed or upset by outer conditions, stresses and strains that his environment may place on him. If one cannot rise above, be in full control of, and handle with ease the circumstances of his outer environment, he will never be able to succeed in the way of spirituality. So the important thing is to first learn to handle your outer environment consisting of your home and or work life. We are to be judged by our actions and not by our words. It is from the abundance of our heart that all actions result, whether physical, emotional, or intellectual. The mind is an index and reflecting mirror, and it truly depicts one's inner state. A measure of success in how well you are succeeding in handling your outer environment will be a gradual awareness that you are becoming the master of your own thoughts. It is to achieve this success that I introduced the self-introspective diaries. How many really keep their diaries properly? 
Very few, if any, I am sorry to say. If the diaries were to be taken advantage of, you would see a change in your behavior, your mode of thinking, and consequently you would progress spiritually by leaps and bounds. The purpose of the diary is to reflect your own inner state so that you know where you stand. It is a tool which, if used properly, will chisel you into a receptacle fit for the manifestation of the Master within you. You should put just as much devotion and attention into keeping your diary as you put into your meditations. The following points will give you the right understanding on the sublime purpose behind and benefits to be had from keeping the diary. One, when at the end of the day you recall your failures in thought, word, and deed, in which direction will your mind be turned? Naturally, it will go to the one who has asked you to keep it. So keeping the diary is also remembrance of the Master. You are saying something to him. If you remember him, well, he remembers you. And in time, you will develop receptivity to him wherever you may be. There can be no true spiritual progress without receptivity, and the daily maintenance of the diary with full attention and a true yearning to be freed from the lapses which are recorded therein goes a long way to developing this receptivity. Two, in the Christian religion, I understand that those who wish may make a confession of their lapses before a priest. They may go once a month or weekly, but generally not more often than once a week. But by keeping the diaries, you are making a confession every day. Let your confessions be honestly and openly recorded in the various columns so that you know where you stand and can take rectifying action. The best and easiest way to cure your ills is to yearn to be free of them, and as mentioned above, to have sweet remembrance of the Master at the time you are filling in your diary. Three, last and just as important as the foregoing, Keeping the diary should not be allowed to stagnate. The best and easiest way to cure your ills is to yearn to be free of them, and as mentioned above, to have sweet remembrance of the Master at the time you are filling in your diary. Three, last and just as important as the foregoing. Keeping the diary should not be allowed to stagnate into a mere recording of failures, which tends to become mechanical if done with little or no attention. The true purpose of putting these failures down in front of you is to make yourself aware of them so that they may be weeded out. To weed them out, it is not sufficient to cut off one or two branches. You must uproot the cause. Once you become aware of a failure, you should be able to trace it to a certain situation, and this situation will help you to identify the cause of the weakness in you that has to be strengthened. By and by, the very cause of the failure will drop off by itself. In other words, and there's more to this circular too, but... Uh, so I'm not going to... Uh, go, sorry.
sorry. Sorry for all the bangs today, by the way. People are knocked my bottle over, knocked the cane over, and now I banged into the microphone. Call a banging day. Um, what was I saying? Something or other. I'm sure it was important. Um, yeah. We are not, I mean, keeping the diary is not, we don't do it feeling guilty or in a sense, I mean, we are there to notice things and to try to take action toward the cause. If we work in that direction, as Master says, by and by, the the cause will basically fall off by itself. Is Even though he uses the phrase weed out, we can't in fact weed out until we have arrived at a level higher than most of us are at now. But what we can do is become more and more aware of how we are working. And if we do that, it's like, for example, if we have a bad temper and we get angry a lot, okay, which I can speak with some authority about, um, that which, when we become angry at somebody or something, we always, our tendency, our sleeping mechanistic habit is to judge that whole thing in terms of the thing that, the outside thing, the issue. Well, they did this, they deserved this, bam, you know, that kind of thing. But if we are keeping the diary, that is to say, if we are practicing conscious awareness of how our thought patterns are working, we will notice that our attention will not be on that which is causing us to react to it. In other words, the thing proceeding from outside in, which we then fall into like any puppet would do, and react to the strings being pulled. But it is rather we become aware of how the process is working. And if we think about it, we will see very clearly that by doing that, then the whole process is, is subverted. It's like disintegrated. Because we're no longer concentrating on the thing that made us angry. We're concentrating instead on what is happening within us. And that doesn't make us angry. I mean, it's just, it's like our attention gets onto that and we see, um, that this is how we are working. And the more we do that, the more aware we can become. And this is not just Master Kripal and Sanchi have stressed this. This is something that is a major part of all spiritual ways and traditions expressed in one verbal form or another. All right, I do want to play a tape now. Um, This is um, a recording of a talk that was one of them. I won't say the most because there are several that are in this category, but this is one of the most powerful and influential talks I ever sat through at the Master's presence. This uh, is, it also happens to be the last talk that I ever heard Sanchi give. It's his farewell talk to the February 1997 group. Uh, It was not his last talk. There was another group in March that year. Um, And he probably gave talks in India after that, too. But... um, this particular was the last one that I heard, and it is a farewell talk. And in it, he talks about, you know, how we are to live, act, understand, be aware of things in the light of his physical absence. Uh, he doesn't say straight out, "I'm going," but it is very clear if we think about, it, especially in relation to what's happened, that this is what he's getting at. And there are all kinds of references on different levels. 
the most obvious is the story about Swamiji Maharaj, a very famous story where a person used to come to Swamiji Maharaj every full moon day for his darshan. It was his custom to do. He's very devoted. He lived quite a distance away. In those days in India, the full moon meant that you could travel easily at night. You could see your way and you didn't have to worry about being attacked so much and things like that. So a lot of people, in, especially in rural areas in India, used to travel on the full moon day. And this guy would come every time for Swamiji's darshan. And on this particular occasion, Swamiji said to him, sit down and look your fullest because uh, you will not have darshan the next full moon day. And uh, Swamiji left the body uh, within a few days after, after this happened. Sanchi tells that story. The way he tells it is not clear whether it was the master or the disciple who left the body, and I think that was deliberate on his part. But if you knew the story, which I did, then you should have been able to have grasped his meaning, although I did not, because I was in denial, and I did not want him to leave, and I didn't want to think about his leaving, and I refused to face up to the fact that he might leave, and so I was caught totally unawares or unprepared when he did leave. But studying this talk, listening to it, reading it uh, like that, um, I have to say that um, he laid it out for us in this talk. There is at the very end of the talk, in, not in Sanchi's words, but in Papu's translation, there is a, uh, an, a, um, a break in the tape, which is very unfortunate, which is my fault. Um, but I will... Um, I'll read the thing in its entirety so that you have the full sense of what Sanchi said after that. Okay, this is at the SKA retreat, February 14th, I think, 1997. Sanchi left the body six months, four months later. And, uh, okay. Hamri, गुरु प्यार करे पहला है बड़ा दिल खुश होया सान पता है कि गलना कर्म यार दी जिते ओ सवाद रुपार नहीं जिते आप दे परम प्यारे नहीं कोई गल ना करे ओ समझ बैठे गुना है उसी देख लो जिले राखवाड़ा प्यार होए कोई अगला सोचा दिन रात ना जी अके ना थके ना टाइम भी पता लगे कि कब रीत गया है किसी रीत ला है। Very good. The vision sung by all the dear ones were very good, very sweet, full of the love of the master, and I like them very much. The place where your beloved is not talked about, that congregation, that meeting is not acceptable to us. You know the place. Where they don't talk about our beloved, we don't like to go there, and it is like a sin to attend such a meeting where the beloved is not remembered and the beloved is not talked about. When we talk about our beloved one, we do not know that how the time went by, how the time passed. Neither we feel the boredom, nor do we feel tired. We never feel exhausted, and we never remain aware that how long it has been that we have been talking about the beloved. बड़ी ऐसी मेरी बात है सावन में चरना में नहीं बचपन से जाना है ज़्यादा रहा है तो फिर 
ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਪ੍ਰਕਾਸ਼ ਨੇ ਮੈਂ ਇਹਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਕਾਫੀ ਸਾਰੇ ਭਜਨ ਜੋ ਪਾਈ ਜੀ ਜਾ ਕੇ ਸੁਣਾਉਂਦੀ ਹੀ ਸੀ ਮੈਨੂੰ ਸੁਣਨ ਦਾ ਮੌਕਾ ਮਿਲਿਆ ਲੇਕਿਨ ਇਹ ਨਹੀਂ ਪਤਾ ਸੀਗਾ ਕਿ ਪਲੇਚ ਜਿਸ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਭਜਨ ਬੋਲੀ ਦਾ ਹੈ ਇਸਨੇ ਹੀ ਮੇਰੀ ਆਤਮਾ ਖੰਡ ਬਰਤਾਉਣੀ ਹੈ ਦੇਵਾਂ ਸੇ ਇਸ ਵੈਰੀ ਸਰਪ੍ਰਾਈਜ਼ਿੰਗ ਥਿੰਗ ਦੈਟ ਈਵਨ ਦੋ ਆਈ ਯੂਸਟ ਟੂ ਵਰਕ ਇਨ ਦ ਫੀਟ ਆਫ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਅਵਸਾਮ ਸਿੰਘ ਸਿੰਸ ਮਾਈ ਚਾਈਲਡਹੂਡ ਐਂਡ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਕਿਰਪਾਲ ਸਿੰਘ ਵਾਸ ਆਲਸੋ ਓਵਰ ਦੇਰ ਐਂਡ ਈਵਨ ਦੋ ਆਈ ਹੈਡ ਹਰਡ ਮੈਨੀ ਬਜਨਸ ਰਿਟਨ ਬਾਈ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਕਿਰਪਾਲ ਸਿੰਘ ਵਿਚ ਵਰ ਸਮ ਬਾਈ ਟਾਈਲੀ ਬਟ ਐਟ ਦੈਟ ਟਾਈਮ ਆਈ ਡਿਡ ਨਾਟ ਨੋ ਦੈਟ ਥੀਸ ਬਜਨਸ ਥੀਸ ਵਰਡਸ ਆਰ ਰਿਟਨ ਬਾਈ ਦੈਟ ਗ੍ਰੇਟ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਹੂ ਇਜ਼ ਗੋਇੰਗ ਟੂ ਬ੍ਰਿੰਗ ਦ ਕੋਲਨਸ ਟੂ ਮਾਈ ਹਾਰਟ ਲੇਟਰ ਔਨ ਇਨ ਦ ਫਿਊਚਰ ਮੈਨੂੰ ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਸਾਵਣ ਦੇ ਨੇੜੇ ਹੋ ਕੇ ਬੜਾ ਦੇਖਣ ਦਾ ਮੌਕਾ ਮਿਲਿਆ ਹੈ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਚਰਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਵੱਧ ਤੋਂ ਵੱਧ ਸੰਗਤ ਕਰਨ ਦਾ ਮੌਕਾ ਮਿਲਿਆ ਹੈ ਪਿਆਰ ਨਾਲ ਇੱਕ ਬੱਚਿਆਂ ਦੀ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਮੈਨੂੰ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਚਰਨਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਹੱਥ ਲਾਉਣ ਦਾ ਵੀ ਮੌਕਾ ਮਿਲਦਾ ਰਿਹਾ ਹੈ ਆਈ ਗੋਟ ਮੈਨੀ ਓਪਰਚੁਨਿਟੀਜ਼ ਟੂ ਕਮ ਵੈਰੀ ਕਲੋਸ ਟੂ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਵਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਐਂਡ ਟੂ ਸੀ ਹਿਮ ਫਰਮ ਵੈਰੀ ਕਲੋਸ ਐਂਡ ਜਸਟ ਲਾਈਕ ਅ ਚਾਈਲਡ ਆਈ ਗੋਟ ਮੈਨੀ ਓਪਰਚੁਨਿਟੀਜ਼ ਟੂ ਟੱਚ ਹਿਸ ਫੀਟ and i got many privileges many opportunities to come very close to master sound singh and here mara sound singh da pyar jo ho aam dinde se sangatan ko bayan to bahar hai jeda oh haasa karde san haase si aisa lagda si jinne sara sharir unna da hasda hai jive unna de muh de vich phul kirde hai ਉਹ ਹਸਦੇ ਹੀ ਬੋਲਦੇ ਸੀ ਤੁਰਦੇ ਹੀ ਬੋਲਦੇ ਸੀ ਗਾਣੋ ਕਿਸੇ ਹੋਰ ਨਾ ਕਰਦੇ ਹੁੰਦੇ ਸੀ ਕਮਰੇ ਕਿਸੇ ਹੋਰ ਨੂੰ ਜਿਹੜੀ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਸੀ ਉਹ ਬੜੇ ਹੁਸ਼ਿਆਰੇ ਨਾਲ ਅੱਖਾਂ ਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਹੀ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਸਮਝਾ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਸੀ ਦ ਲਵ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਉਂਡ ਸਿੰਘ ਜੀ ਯੂਜ਼ ਟੂ ਪੋਰ ਆਊਟ ਐਂਡ ਗਿਵ ਟੂ ਦ ਰੀਵਰਸ ਫਾਰ ਬੀਯੰਡ ਐਨੀ ਡਿਸਕ੍ਰਿਪਸ਼ਨ ਇਟ ਕੈਨ ਨਾਟ ਬੀ ਡਿਸਕ੍ਰਾਈਬਡ ਇਨ ਦ ਵਰਡਸ ਐਂਡ ਵੈਨ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਲਾਫ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਲਾਫ ਇਨ ਸਚ ਅ ਵੇ ਦੈਟ ਇਟ ਵੁਡ ਫੀਲ ਦੈਟ ਐਜ਼ ਇਟ ਇਜ਼ ਹੋਲ ਬੋਡੀ ਇਜ਼ ਲਾਫਿੰਗ and the flowers it always would seem like the flowers were coming out of his mouth when he was laughing many times he would attract the souls with his smiles and with his laughs many times he would attract the souls by his walking many times he would be talking to someone else but someone else would be feeling the intoxication ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦਾ ਬੜੇ ਸੁਭਾਅ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਪ੍ਰਾਪਤ ਸੀਗਾ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੇ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਚਰਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਬੈਠ ਕੇ ਆਨੰਦ ਮਾਣਿਆ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੇ ਇੱਕ ਵਾਰੀ ਵੀ ਸੂਰਤ ਪਿਆਰ ਨਾਲ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੀ ਤਕਲੀ ਉਹ ਭੁੱਲ ਨਾ ਸਕੇ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਮੇਰੇ ਸ਼ਬਦ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਵੀ ਪੜਦੇ ਹੋ ਕਿ ਜਿਸ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਦਾ ਉਹ ਮੈਂ ਮੁਸ਼ਕਾਉਦਾ ਹੱਸਦਾ ਦੇਖਿਆ ਮੈਂ ਭੁਲਾ ਨਾ ਸਕਿਆ ਦੇਰ ਵਾਂਸ ਫੋਰਚਨੇਟ ਵੈਰ ਦਾ ਸੋਲਸ ਹੂ ਗਾਟ ਦੀ ਓਪਰਚੁਨਿਟੀ ਟੂ ਸਿਟ ਐਟ ਦਾ ਫੀਟ ਆਫ ਦ ਲਾਰਡ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਊਂਡ ਸੇ they had very good faith they had very good fortune that they were able to go and sit in his feet and those who saw him even once if anyone saw him with much love and faith in him he could not forget his form in one of the bhajans i have written that the way he smiled the way he was if anyone saw him even for once with love he could not forget him ਫੇਰੀ ਸਵਾਲ ਕਰ ਲੈਂਦੇ ਸੀਗੇ ਉਹ ਦੱਸਦੇ ਬੜੇ ਹੱਸ ਕੇ ਦੱਸ ਦਿੰਦੇ ਨੇ ਕਿ ਜਦੋਂ ਜਾਦੇ ਅਸੀਂ 
ਸਵਾਲ ਵਗੈਰਾ ਕਰਦੇ ਸੀ ਤੋਂ ਫਿਰ ਉਹ ਕਹਿੰਦੇ ਹੁੰਦੇ ਸੀਗੇ ਕਿ ਮੈਨੂੰ ਜਾਦੇ ਮਸ਼ਰਾਓ ਨਹੀਂ ਮੈਂ ਜੱਟ ਹੈ ਜੱਟ ਦੇ ਛੋਟ ਵੀ ਬੜੀ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਹੈ ਲੇਕਿਨ ਜੇ ਛੋਟ ਨਾ ਕਰੇ ਤੇ ਜੱਟ ਕਰੜਾ ਵੀ ਬੜਾ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਹੈ ਜੁਰਿੰਗ ਦਾ ਸਾਸਾਂ ਮੈਨੀ ਟਾਈਮ ਦ ਰੀਅਲ ਵਨਸ ਵੁਡ ਆਸਕ ਹਿਮ ਦਾ ਕੁਐਸਚਨਸ and laughing smiling and with much happiness he would answer those questions even while he was doing the satsang but many times when a lot of people would ask him the questions when there would be many questions then he would even say like well, don't take me for granted because i am a farmer the farmer if he wants he can give you a lot of concession and if he wants if he doesn't want he will not give you even a little bit of concession so don't take me for granted just be reasonable ਜਿਹੜਾ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦਾ ਪਿਆਰਾ ਨਾਦੀ ਪੁੱਤਰ ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਕਰਪਾਲ ਸੀ ਇਹ ਹਮੇਸ਼ਾ ਹੀ ਜਦ ਕਿਸੇ ਐਸੀ ਬਾਤ ਚੱਲਦੀ ਸੀ ਤਾਂ ਉਹ ਕਹਿੰਦੇ ਸੀਗੇ ਤੇਰੀ ਦੇਖੋ ਮੈਂ ਅਕਾਊਂਟੈਂਟ ਰਿਹਾ ਹਾਂ ਪਾਈ ਕਟੀ ਤੇ ਕਟੀ ਕਿਉਂ ਵਧੀ ਤੇ ਵਧੀ ਕਿਉਂ ਆ ਇਸ ਬਿਲਵਰਡ ਸਨ ਹਿਸ ਸਪਿਰਚੁਅਲ ਸਨ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਕਰਪਾਲ ਸਿੰਘ ਵੈਨਵਰ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਟਾਕ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਵਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਐਂਡ ਵੈਨਵਰ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਟੈਲ ਮੀ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਮਾਸਟਰ ਸਾਵਨ ਸਿੰਘ ਆਲ ਦੀਸ ਥਿੰਗਸ ਹੀ ਵੁਡ ਟੈਲ ਮੀ ਥੈਟ ਯੂ ਨੋ ਥੈਟ ਆਈ ਐਮ ਆਈ ਹੈਵ ਬੀਨ ਅਨ ਅਕਾਊਂਟੈਂਟ ਐਂਡ if there is one penny less why it is less and if there is one penny more why it is more i need to know the accounts pyare aur dairy aise hi kathni da ek hissa hai ki jindagi jehdi hai ek aibane vich pai te pai kyon bhajan nahi kita te kyon nahi kita eda koi sawal jawab nahi ga ye us diary which he has given to us there is the expression of what he said in the words the meaning of the diary is that why did we have so many faults in our life why did we make so many mistakes in this life and why didn't we do the meditation ha me pyaro mainu hota pa tohde vich abhyas karke bada anand aaya tohnu pata hai ke guru sikhda ਜੋ ਰਿਸ਼ਤਾ ਹੈ ਇਹ ਪ੍ਰਭੂ ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਨੇ ਖੁਦ ਜੋੜਿਆ ਹੈ ਇਹ ਕਿਸੇ ਇਨਸਾਨ ਦਾ ਜੁੜਿਆ ਹੋਇਆ ਨਹੀਂ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਨੇ ਕਿਹਾ ਹੈ ਸੱਚਾ ਸਾਖ ਟੁੱਟਦਾ ਨਹੀਂ ਕਿਉਂਕਿ ਕਰਤਾਰ ਭਗਵਾਨ ਨੇ ਜੋੜਿਆ ਹੋਇਆ ਹੈ ਗੁਰੂ ਸਿੱਖ ਦੇ ਰਿਸ਼ਤਾ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਹੈ ਇਹ ਇੰਨਾ ਹੀ ਨਹੀਂ ਕਿ ਅਸੀਂ ਦੋ ਦਿਨ ਮਿਲਨੇ ਫੇਰ ਭੁੱਲ ਗਏ ਪਿਆਰਿਓ ਗੁਰੂ ਕਦੇ ਵੀ ਨਾਮ ਦੇ ਕੇ ਆਪਣੀ ਪਿਆਰੀ ਆਤਮਾ ਨੂੰ ਭੁੱਲਦਾ ਨਹੀਂ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਨੇ ਕਿਹਾ ਸੀ ਭੁੱਲਣ ਅੰਦਰ ਸਭ ਕੋ ਉਪਨ ਗੁਰੂ ਕਰਤਾਰ ਪਿਆਰਿਓ ਦੋ ਤਾਕਤਾਂ ਹਨ ਜੋ ਅਪੁਰ ਹਨ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਆਤਮਾ ਨੂੰ ਨਾਮ ਦਿੰਦੇ ਹੈ ਭੁੱਲਣਾ ਤਾਂ ਕਿਸੇ ਨਾਲ ਵਸਾਰਦੇ ਵੀ ਨਹੀਂ ਦੂਰ ਨੇੜੇ ਮਾਤਾ ਦੇ ਬੱਚੇ ਨਾਲ ਉਹ ਜਾਰੇ ਸੰਭਾਲ ਕਰਦੇ ਹੈ ਇੱਥੋਂ ਤੱਕ ਆਪਦੇ ਸੇਵਕਾਂ ਵਾਸਤੇ ਹਮੇਸ਼ਾ ਅਰਦਾਸ ਕਰਦੇ ਆ ਗੁਰੂ ਗੋਬਿੰਦ ਸਿੰਘ ਨੇ ਕਿਹਾ ਸੀ ਸੁਖੀ ਵਸੇ ਮੋਰੂ ਪਰਵਾਰਾ ਸੇਵਕ ਸਿੱਖ ਸਵਾ ਕਰਤਾਰਾ ਹੇ ਭਗਵਾਨ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਮੈਂ ਨਾਮ ਦਿੱਤਾ ਹੈ ਇਹੀ ਮੇਰਾ ਪਰਿਵਾਰ ਹੈ ਇਹੀ ਮੇਰੀ ਫੈਮਿਲੀ ਹੈ ਇਹ ਸਾਰੇ ਸੁੱਖ ਤੇ ਚਾਰ ਦਿਨ ਜਿੰਦਗੀ ਦੇ ਸੁੱਖ ਦੇ ਵੀ ਕੱਢਣ ਔਰ ਨਾਮ ਜਪ ਕੇ ਆਪਦੀ ਆਤਮਾ ਨੂੰ ਸੁੱਖ ਸ਼ਾਂਤੀ ਦੇਣ so dear ones i enjoyed meditating with all of you this past week and uh, you know that the relationship of the master with the disciple is made by lord almighty himself and it cannot be broken no power no one can break this relationship which has been formed 
between the disciple and the master because <coughs> it is not that after you go from here the relationship is over. Guru Nanak Sahib says that the true relations, the true relationship never breaks because the Creator Himself has made this relation. So <coughs> the masters always remember their disciples. Guru Nanak Sahib says that there are only two powers which do not forget anything. One is God Almighty and another is the Master. Everything else is forgetful, but the Master and Lord Almighty are not the forgetful ones. After giving us the initiation, they never forget us. What to talk about forgetting us? They never even go away from us. They are always with us. They always look at us and they always take care of us. Just like a mother takes care of the child in the same way, the Masters always take care of their disciples. Guru Gobind Singh had said, that all the masters always make the prayers, they always request to Lord Almighty for the well-being of the disciples. Guru Gobind Singh has said that, O oh Lord, may all my disciples live in comfort and peace, all the disciples, all my family members. They understand all the initiates whom they have initiated as their family members, and that is why they always request, they always pray to Lord Almighty that they are my family members, and I wish, I pray for them that they may live in this world, Whatever time they have in this world, they may live comfortably, they may live happily, and also they would do the meditation of the Shabad Nam so that they may return to their real home. There you go. Swami is a journalist. Pick. Premi. Mihi Neto. Darshan Mandan. Sonda Honda Siga. Toda Sama Nere Aya. Osu Nukayel Ghe. Shidei Ghe. दर्शन अच्छी तरह कर ले और आप दे अंदर एक नए दर्शन बढ़ा ले और दे महीने में तेरे मिलूंगा नहीं इस संतान दिया होती है आज ये खानू बार बार वो सावन कर पास मैं नू मिलना मौका दे है पहिंसन करना मौका दे है इसी कदर करो तेरे ओ इस there was a dear one of Swamiji Maharaj who used to go to have his darshan once every month. Once when his time came near, Swamiji Maharaj told him that dear one, you should have the darshan of the master in abundance and dwell this form of the Master within you, because next month I will not be able to meet you. So it was his grace that he made him realize that he should have the darshan of the Master. <coughs> so dear ones, in the same way, this is also the grace of Lord Savan and Kripal, that he gives us so many opportunities to meet with each other. Again and again he is bringing you here, again and again, again, again he is making me meet you, and again and again he is giving us the opportunities to do the meditation, to do the bhajan and similar. We will not get this blessed opportunities again, we will not get such grace again. So whatever time we have got, we should always appreciate it, appreciate these trips, appreciate this opportunity, and dwell the form of the Master within, and do the bhajan and simran wholeheartedly. फिर खास करके जिस इलाके में मैं रह रहे हैं वो सुनिए छड़कांदा भी पता ही है मैं किस तरह के बुढ़ा शरीर लेके थोड़े कोड़े निर्स्वार्थ सेवा करने वास्ते होना है इसी कदर करो मेरी यही आशा है कि एक इमेरा के में पुलड़ आत्मा आपने कर्मों पर पहन 
ਆਪਦੇ ਜੀਵਨ ਨੂੰ ਸਵਾਰ ਲੈਣ ਮੈਨੂੰ ਉਨੀ ਖੁਸ਼ੀ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਹੈ ਜਿੰਦਗੀ ਦੀ ਵਕਤ ਵਾਦ ਜਦ ਕੋਈ ਪ੍ਰੇਮੀ ਮੈਨੂੰ ਦਰਸ਼ਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਆ ਕੇ ਆਪਦਾ ਅੱਛਾ ਵਿਆਸ ਦੱਸਦਾ ਹੈ ਅੱਛਾ ਤਜਰਬਾ ਦੱਸਦਾ ਹੈ you know how the roads in india are and especially the place where i live rajasthan the roads are terrible over there but still in this old age getting this old body you know that with how much difficulty i make this journey i travel from so far and i come here so i appreciate my coming here i appreciate the time which we spent here my wish is only this that you may start walking on the path back to your real home my wish is that you may wake up and you may do your bhajan and simran when the dear ones come and tell me about their experiences in the darshan that gives me the immense pleasure tere bachcho main jindich kariya hai main jaade pakh pyas kati hui hai mainu pata hai jis karke mera sharir jaade kamzor hai Dear ones, I have done the meditation in my life. I have suffered a great amount of hunger and thirst. I know that what is the reason that my body is so much weak. since i had given up eating the food for a very long time that is why the place or the food intake has been reduced and still i am not able to eat that much and you know that when you do not when you cannot eat enough food when you cannot eat enough fruit and the other things then the life goes on or the life is supported only on the support of lord almighty mera na kuch kehne da bhav itna hi hai ke sachcha rishta hai जागरण the meaning of saying all this is that this relationship is very solid it will never break and this is the reason all the masters all the saints have said all the masters have called their master as they have said that you are my mother you are my father you are my, you are my brother you are my friend you are my everything so they want this is an unbreakable relationship and you should appreciate this now there is no time to speak this is the time to wake up so i appreciate this time and make use make the best use of this time mera eh matlab la leo kisi tarah de jo parwar hai unna nahi chhad diye ya putra ki aan usi balaiye na ya pati patni de rishte nahi chhad jaiye nahi pyare andro sanyas sanyasi bano ਐਟ ਦੈਟ ਪਲੇਸ 
after reaching where all the desires come to an end. So now I shall go there. I pray me and Pramatma Karpal Dalak. We are the Luna Jana. Kiss all come to the case of Sandwich Yao. We are coming to the case. I would like to remind all the Devans the words of beloved Lord Kripal. He used to say that give up hundreds of important works to attend the satsang and give up thousands of important works and sit for the meditation. And he also used to say that do not feed your body until you have fed your soul. The food for our body is the food which we eat, but the food for our soul is the meditation. basically missing about half of it, reads like this. And along with that, I hope you will do your bhajan and simran regularly and wholeheartedly, and you will attend the satsang. And also you should keep the diary. You must keep the diary. Regarding the diary, I always say that you should not make the filling of the diary as a rite and ritual. Once you have written down a mistake, once you have noted down that you have made this mistake, this fault, 
you should not repeat that again. Because as I have often said, even one sin, one mistake which we make, makes our life very dry. So if you go on repeating the mistakes, if you go on filling up the diary form with all the mistakes, just imagine how much dryness will be created in our within, in our soul, and how much dirt of the karmas our soul will accumulate. So that is why when you fill out the diary, whenever you realize that you have made a mistake, do not repeat it again. Make your life pure. And I would add only this comment to that, that um, it used to seem to me that when Sanchi would say these things about even one mistake can ruin our life, um, it seemed extreme. And I would think, well, who can... Who can stop doing something once they um, realize it's a mistake? If we really realize it's a mistake, then we will be doing what Master Kripal talked about in uh, understanding the, the cause of the thing that has to be uprooted. And the more we realize it's a mistake, the more we will really want not to do it again, and the more we really want not to do it again, the less we will do it again. But it is, I have, you know, as I've gotten older, and understood how things work in my own life and the lives of other people that I uh, have been around, uh, it is very true that one mistake can ruin a person's life, which does not mean that the Master will not, um, you know, take that into account, use it for their ultimate spiritual good and take them up. Um, the relationship cannot be broken, no matter what happens, and it is absolutely incumbent on him to liberate us whether we uh, get in his way or not but uh, it just makes everything harder so that if we um, can take that seriously you know without feeling guilty without going into paroxysms of despair because of how bad we are but if we just okay this is something I understand this is a bad thing I don't want to do it anymore I really don't want to do it anymore and uh, then we have a very good chance of not doing it anymore. And if we start to do it, if we become aware of the process of how things are working within us, as we were saying earlier, then it becomes still more likely that we won't do it even though we've started to do it. So I want to close today uh, before our final budget with uh, Sanchi's Christmas message of December 1996. Uh, this in honor of the season, Christmas will be here very shortly. Dear ones, in this season of Christmas and the new year, I send you best wishes in the name of Almighty Lord, Supreme Father Hazur Kripal. For thousands of years we have celebrated the coming of God into this world by ringing bells, lighting candles, and giving gifts. We read in the accounts of the birth of Lord Jesus that all of the people rich and poor, came bringing gifts to place at his feet. But did we ever consider who is the real giver? Hearing the cries of the suffering souls who are trapped in this world, God Almighty sent himself down into this world to give with both his hands. He is the one who frees us through the gift of his life, which comes in the form of light and sound. 
Beloved Lord Kripal used to say that we have been caught by the Master and must be taken to our true home, such kind, just as an expert fisherman will never let a fish escape until it is in his basket. So the Master has each one of us in his hands, but we should do our best to remember that gift which he has given to us. We must thank him with the tongue of Simran and the song of Bhajan. To sit in the remembrance of beloved Master is the best way of thanking our beloved and also our own selves. Almighty Lord came at different times and worked through different bodies. He was born as Buddha, sometimes he was born as Jesus, sometimes he came as Kabir and Guru Nanak. We are the most blessed ones because he came again as our beloved Lord Sawan Singh Ji and then as our beloved Maharaj Kripal Singh. Who could be more fortunate than we? We were able to walk and talk with such beloveds of God. So we should remember to be thankful for these blessings which the Almighty Gracious One showered and continues to shower down upon us. In the new year, let us resolve afresh to remember the one who remembers us and makes our lives. I send you all my best wishes and happy Christmas and new year. With all his love, yours affectionately, Ajayam Singh. The final bhajan is on page 155. Takura tum masharanayi bhajan of Guru Arjan Dev. O Lord, I have taken refuge in you. Since I have seen you, the doubts of my mind have vanished. Without saying you knew my pain and problems, you made me meditate on your nam. By singing your praise, my sorrows are ended, and I happily sing your qualities. Holding my hand, you have pulled me out of the deep pit of attachment and maya. Nanak says, the master has broken my fetters, and he has united this separated one with God. O oh Lord, I have taken refuge in you. Bhajan of Guru Arjan Dev on page 155. <laughs> Uttara Gaya Mere Manaka Sanasa Jimanaka Sanasa Uttara Gaya Mere Manaka Sanasa Jimanaka Sanasa Jabatere Darshana Udarshana Paya Jabatere Darshana Udarshana Paya 
Oh, Lord, I have taken refuge in you. May God bless us all. <clears throat> 